0: So, we are the Fong's. My wife Jane and Jeremy and Ayumi are here. Um, We are going to Japan um, for at least four years, probably seven years, with GEMS, um, and we'll be serving in the Tokyo area. Um, Our mission, we call it For the 1%, and we really feel called to serve the churches and the missionaries that are in Japan. I think God has spoken to us about how difficult it is to be a Christian in Japan where only one percent of the population is Christian. And we've met uh, many people over the past few years who are members of that one percent, and we've heard their stories, and and we just have a real heart of compassion for the way they live and, and for the way they serve the Lord in this very, very difficult uh, country to serve in. So we'll be serving the 1%. Uh, Jane will be working at the Christian Academy in Japan as a speech therapist. And that is a role that they've been um, needing to fill for many, many years, probably over a decade, they've been without a speech therapist. And they're very excited to have her uh, there to serve the needs of missionary families uh, and others who send their kids to the Christian Academy. Um, I will be uh, doing language study for the first year or so, and then I will be serving churches. Uh, There's a big need in the Japanese church for uh, ministries to younger people, say 20 and under. Um, Studies show that about 80% of people who give their lives to Christ will do so before the age of 15. And yet in Japan, uh, over 50% of churches don't have any sort of ministry to young people. And so that is something that's been on, on our hearts and something that we want to kind of help churches to uh, create ministries for the younger people. So we'll be walking alongside uh, missionaries, walking with churches and working with them. Uh, we'll be in the Higashi Kurome. Uh We're not going as church planners and, and we're not starting any new ministries. We're really there to bless and encourage the existing ministries that are there that need help. We have a lot to share, a lot more that could be shared uh, in this time. So we're going to be in the back. Uh, we have a table set up back there. If you'd like to hear more about Japan and about what we'll be doing, sign up for our newsletter, uh, grab a prayer card. Uh, we'll be just happy to talk to you, and, and we just thank you for your support. So thank you for having us here this morning.
1: So we're going to pray for them. If you feel comfortable, you can just uh, put your hands outstretched as a, as a blessing. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you for Todd and Jane and Jeremy and Ayumi, and thank you for their lives. God, thank you for the way that you've made them and how you've created them. Father, we, we um, pray that as they prepare to go to Japan, Lord, that um, that you would just uh, honor and, and reward their their sacrifice. Um, Father, that they're giving of their lives to you. And, and so we pray, God, that um, that you would just prepare them spiritually and emotionally and, and physically, Lord, and that you would... Um, when they get to Japan, Lord, it would feel like home, Lord. That it would be a place that you've prepared for them, and and we ask that you would just pave the way in terms of all the people that they're going to meet and the and the churches and the and the Christians that you want them to to equip and to minister to, Lord. That they um, just would have um, divine. Um, meetings and, and just interactions with people. Um, Father, we just uh, ask for you to take care of all of their needs, Lord, that um, that as they go, as they, they've got to pack up and figure out what to do with all their stuff and their house and everything. Lord, I, I pray that you would um, just work all the things out and that you would um, hold them together as a family, Lord, that you would just give them good communication um Uh, able to talk about um, their fears and about their questions and about their anxieties, Lord, that that they would share that together as a family, that they would just leave that at the cross for you as well, too, Lord, that you will take care of them. Lord, the, the feeling that I got when we were singing was that you are limitless, God. That there's nothing that you cannot do. And so we pray for the the country of Japan as well, Lord, and and how it's been for many, many, many years. People have tried to bring your, uh, bring Jesus to, to the people of Japan. But um, but we ask that you would break whatever strongholds there are, God, in the name of Jesus. That you would break them, and and that there would be um, revival and and. Um, and just the name of Jesus would be lifted up in, in Japan. So we pray for, um, for the fongs and just ask your blessing over them. And in your sins name we pray. Amen.
2: Well, everyone, good morning again. If I could have you all just stand, I, I just want to pray for our time. Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that your presence is here. And uh, you have words for your people. And so I just pray for the, the hearts and the, and the the ears that are that are here that they would be opened, and that your your word would go forth. Can, can I have you guys just put your hand over your heart, if you will? Lord, I pray that this heart would be open to your word, and that you would be speaking pretty clearly to us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. <clears throat> I, I feel I feel a little bit bad because. Uh, you know, like the the opening set of worship was really, you know, really happy and really joyful and uh, a lot of energy. And then I kind kind of feel, because the topic that I'm talking about today is is suffering, I kind of feel like I'm going to bring everyone down. But but, uh, Peter was reminding me as we were praying that um, the crown and the cross kind of go hand in hand, you know. And so... As much as I depress you today, it's going to make next week even more sweeter when we talk about the resurrection. So how about that for an introduction? Um, I wanted to start uh, with, my, with a little bit of my story. You know, the, the thing is, um, you guys have heard my story before, but not everyone has heard my story. But, but nevertheless, there's parts of it you haven't heard, and so I just wanted to share it with you guys. So most of you know, about 12 years ago, I, uh, I lost my voice. And when I say I lost my voice, I mean that um, I, I couldn't talk above a whisper. Uh, and I couldn't talk above a whisper for more than five minutes. And it, it went on for an entire year. Now, there is a rumor that was circulated around our community by one of my friends that I'd lost it by going to an in-sync concert. <laughs> and I was screaming and so excited that, you know, that's it's not, obviously it's not true, you know, it was Backstreet Boys. No, obviously, I, actually I was preaching at a youth conference and they didn't have sound equipment and so that makes me even more thankful for our sound team and I, I lost my voice. Um, so I lost it for an entire year and then my voice started to come back and it was, it was really cool because when it came back I thought, this thing is over. You know, the, the, the night has passed, and here's the dawn. But what happened is two years ago, I started to have more vocal problems. And this time it wasn't my vocal cords, it was the, my facial muscles right here. And it was chronic, and it was painful, and it wouldn't go away. And so I couldn't preach without feeling tremendous pain afterwards and awkwardness in my face. I couldn't counsel people, I couldn't even go to meetings, I couldn't do my job. And so when this was happening to me, I felt like I know what I'm going to do. And so what I did is I went into my prayer closet. I'm talking about a literal closet, you know. It's the one that Raina uses now. She she took it over. But I, I was going to go to my prayer closet. And I had in my mind this vision of like storming heaven with my prayer, you know. Like spilling my guts out to God. And for some reason, I had this conviction that if I spilled my guts out to God that he was going to answer my prayer. Now, that the conviction actually comes from Scripture, but it also comes from experience. Like, you guys don't know this, but my vocal cords were actually really screwed up. People from the church prayed, and even the speech pathologist was surprised. They were straight. Like, what happened? I said, well, I prayed. You guys, I've told you this story. My marriage, like... Dating was a really crazy time, and I had all these internal issues, and they would not go away, and I prayed my guts out to God, and on my wedding day, they went away. I don't know where they went. To this day, it's like, I have no idea where those issues went. My my son was about to be miscarried. I spilled my guts out to God. God spared the life of my son. So I knew that if I spill my guts out to God, he is going to answer my prayer. And so I went into that prayer closet and I did. And you know what I did? I don't recommend this, but I'm just being honest with you. I, I dropped the if you love me card to God. I really did that. I was on my knees like, God, I know you love me, but if you love me, then my plan was to go to bed have God visit me while I'm sleeping and wake up totally healed. That's what I pray for, honestly. So, I prayed the prayer, I left my closet, I went to bed, I woke up, and I was exactly the same. I just want to ask you guys, have you ever been there before? I mean, have you ever, like, spilled your guts out to God? And it's not like you're asking for something bad or inherently evil or foolish. You're asking for something that's good. And then you wake up the next morning, and it's the same. Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened um, with the healing of your child or the... The healing of your own body that just keeps on falling apart. And you pray and your body still keeps on falling apart. Anyone here ever pray for aging parents and their health just continues to decline despite how much you pray? Or you pray for a chronic illness and the illness is still chronic. Or healing for a broken relationship and the relationship is still broken. Have you, ever, have you ever prayed for the desire of your heart? Maybe it's for a child. Maybe it's for a spouse. And uh, it's not like God said no to you, but you look at the circumstances of your life, and it's like, well, I don't think he said yes to me, <laughs> right? Now, can I ask you, what do you do when you spill your guts out before God and the answer still seems to be No. Like, what happens the day after? What happens when you wake up, you expected something, and then how do you go on living the rest of that day? What do you do? How do you respond? Because I think we've all been there. What do you do the day after? I I told you I was going to bring everyone down, but but at least I think we can relate to this question. Uh, We're going to actually take a really close look at Jesus and how he dealt with the same situation. we have tons and tons to learn from Jesus. So we're going to walk through, as we've been walking through Matthew, we started in 24, 25, 26, and we're going all the way to the cross, and we're going all the way to the resurrection. But before you go to the resurrection, we have to go through what? The cross. Before we get to the crown, we have to walk through the cross. And so here we go. So stay with me. Actually, could you stand with me? I think uh, it, there's something reverent that we communicate when we stand while the scriptures are being read. So let's, let's stand, and I'm going to read through these um, really poignant verses. Um, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, "'Sit here while I go over there and pray.' So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. and The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. In this passage here, Jesus is standing before his execution and he's opening his heart to his disciples and he lays bare his struggles, his agony, his fears about facing death. The text says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And the word here for troubled means to be overcome with horror. And I just want to point out that this is actually kind of weird. Because normally we don't see Jesus like this. Normally we see Jesus and he's poised and he's calm and he's collected. But nothing ever seems to rattle him. But here we see a Jesus who's rattled. So why is that? And I want to answer that. It's because the death that Jesus died, it was not an ordinary death. It was not just physical crucifixion that Jesus was dealing with. I mean, as horrible as that is, because what's happening here for the very first time in history is the Son, who has been eternally passed, connected to the Father, they've been completely united, for the very first time in human history, he was going to be torn apart from His Father. And that had never happened before. In the words of Paul, Jesus was about to become, was about to embody sin itself. And so you just imagine that Jesus, in a few moments, is about to become the molester, the rapist, the murderer. He is going to stand in the place of human sin in our place. And so he was going to receive the complete alienation and separation from God. And so he's standing on the edge of this. About, it's about to happen. And he's just ruined. He's just wrecked with horror. Now, I, I needed to unpack those first two voices because I needed to make you know put a stake in the ground to make the case for Jesus as Savior. But what I wanted to do for the rest of this message is talk about Jesus as our example, Jesus as our model for how to take suffering. And I was, I was rolling with this with Reina, and she was telling me, you got a lot of points. And so what I want to do is I just want to... Tr- I just want to trek you through all those points now so you won't get lost later on. Uh, this, is, this is the first one. I, I want to point out that Jesus does first is he asks God. Not just once, but three times. Then God says no. I want to unpack that. God says no. And then I want to take a look at what Jesus does not do. And then I want to take a look at what Jesus does do. Okay? So I know that's a lot. Jesus prays, God responds, Jesus does not respond in this way, but he responds to God's no in that way, and then I think we're going to be done for today. But first point is this, Jesus asks God to change the circumstance. Jesus asks God for a way out. Now, I I can't tell you how refreshing this point is. I'm going to unpack it in a little bit. But Jesus, the Son of God, was asking God to spare him from the suffering. And it's almost like he was saying, is there another way? Is there another way? Is there a way that I can get out of this kind of suffering? I mean, you're, you're, you're God of the impossible. You can do anything. Is there a way that we can spare people... Spare humanity, and also spare me at the same time. Is there like a third way? Now, um, I, I said this is very uh, refreshing, but I think it's refreshing because um, uh, it, it's a little bit of a model to me. Now, what I mean by this is, is uh, sometimes when I'm praying for other people, or even for myself, I can kind of get hyper-spiritual, I don't know if you guys can relate to what I mean, but let's say, let's say someone has cancer, and I'm praying for that person with the cancer. And, you know, you might find me saying something like, Oh Lord, you know, I pray that this cancer will produce in this man or woman Christ like character. You know, and you imagine the person's being prayed for, like, Pastor, can you just pray that God will remove the cancer? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, Oh, hyper spiritual, right? No, here is Jesus, and my point is, he is praying for the very basic thing, the very obvious thing, because his God can do anything. And so he's asking God to do the obvious thing. Now, let me let me tell you, um, if Jesus is doing that, then what right do we have to be more spiritual than Jesus? It's, it seems to me that we should take a lesson from Jesus and just pray for the obvious thing. I want this cancer to be removed. Let's pray for the cancer to be removed. I want a baby. Let's pray that God will give you a baby. And then if God says no, then we can you know, pray the, the hyper-spiritual stuff. But let's just take a lesson from Jesus and just pray for the very, very simple, basic thing because our God can do anything. But as we walk through this story, we actually find out that that God says no to the prayer. Now you're like, what? Where does God say no to this prayer? No, no, no. Uh, Walk with me through this. So Jesus says, um, all things are possible for you, God. And um, he says, let this cup, this cup of suffering, this cup of, of wrath be taken away from me. Right? So what is he asking for? He's asking that the cup of suffering be taken away. That's what he's, I mean, that's what he's asking for. And then he asks it a second time. And then he asks us the third time. And then what happens? Jesus, Jesus goes to the disciples and he says, the hour is at hand, right? The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. what, 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 what so what just happened here? Well, let me put it this way. What happened here is that Jesus was asking for the cup to be removed, and God said, what did God say? He said, he said, no. Now, this is, I mean, sometimes the most obvious point is the most profound point. And this is, this is one of those times where it's like, it's obvious. What what happened? God said, no. Now, this is a little bit mind-blowing, Because we we know that it was through the voice of Jesus that the oceans were created, that the mountains were formed, right? And here is God saying no to Jesus. Now, gosh, I want to make this, bring this point home. I got to tell you that when I left my prayer closet and I went to bed, I woke up and I was still the same. I could bear, you know, I was still in chronic pain. There was a little voice that came to me and that little voice kind of said, you know, you thought you were special and you thought that if you spilled your guts out to God that he was going to answer you and he didn't answer you, I think you're disqualified from someone who has a special relationship with God. And I'm got to be honest with you, I actually thought I had a special relationship with God. and if I spilled my guts out, God would answer my prayer, and there, there was, I was crestfallen. And I kind of felt like, I don't actually think I have this special relationship <laughs> with God or this special. Have you guys ever felt that way? And when God said no to you, you just kind of feel like He seems to be saying no to uh, yes to a lot of people, but I guess not me. Maybe He doesn't really love me that much. OK. I got I to gotta admit to you, I actually believed that. I kind of took that bait for a little while. But then I read this passage and it's like, that is completely not true. Why? Because there's no one in all the universe who has more favor than Jesus Christ. And here is God saying no to Jesus. So if God says no to Jesus, and he loves Jesus with all his heart, soul, and mind, then he's going to say no to us whom he deeply loves too. Maybe you've felt like, you know, God's been saying no to me. I must be cursed. You're not cursed. You might be feeling, I don't have no special relationship with God. No, that's not true. So some of you have been holding on to that for a long time. You don't need to hold on to that anymore. You have to let that go. That is just not true. Apparently, God really, really deeply loves Jesus, and he really, really deeply loves you. And there are times when he says no. And that does not mean he does not love you. Maybe it's out of his great love for you that he's actually saying no. Now, 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 here I want to talk about the point of what Jesus does not do. When God says no to Jesus, Jesus comes to the conclusion that God has said no to him. I want to talk about what Jesus does not do. It's so important It's so important. Now, here's a bit of of, of self-reflection time. Because normally, psychologists say that normally when people face danger, there's two instinctive responses, right? You've heard it before. It's fight or flight. Either you get really aggressive against or you run away, you know? And what I want to point out is that Jesus, the man of God, does not do either of those. He does not do either of those. Now... How many of you guys know people who tend to deal with pain and suffering by, by just walking away? Like, you, you've had a conflict with a friend before. Just, I actually want a show of hands, cause I'm, I, you've had a conflict with a friend before, and instead of like sitting down and talking about all the awkward issues and sharing feelings and thoughts, and part of it's, you know, kind of hurtful, but at least you're talking about it and kind of walking, talking through it. But instead of doing that, the friend actually just chose to drop the friendship and walk away. How many of you guys have, have experienced something like that before? Uh, you know, most of us have. And, 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 uh, and what we tend to do is we avoid the people that, that cause us pain. We just walk away. Yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you a plain example. How many of you guys have ever been unfriended on Facebook? Raise your hand. More than I thought. You know, uh, for the very first time last year, I was unfriended on Facebook, not once, but twice. And then, and here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the way it works. When you unfriend someone on Facebook, the, the person who unfriends the other person, there's never a message that goes to that person and says, you know, ding, by the way, you've been unfriended. It doesn't, it doesn't do that, right? What happens? You think everything's fine, and one day you're looking at the people you may know box, right? And you're like, I'll just click on that. And you see a face of someone who you thought was your friend. And you go, I could have swore they were my friend. What happened? Right? And then all of a sudden you oh, that's what happened. You guys have been there. You guys have been there. It feels awful, doesn't it? Um, how many of you have heard the expression, no pain, no gain? Of course you have. I had a, a good friend of mine who actually went on to lead a, 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 a series of dysfunctional relationships. But his motto was, no pain, no pain. Right? If there's no pain, then no pain. Okay, you get it. You took a little bit, but you get it. But it, you, Some of us have built our whole lives around avoiding pain. And I can say this honestly. When I was in the throes of my vocal disability, I would wake up in the morning, and my number one goal through the whole day, don't do anything to, injure your, to further injure your voice. then I got disgusted with myself because I'm like, my whole life is about protecting myself. It's not about loving, serving other people. It's not about glorifying God. It's about protecting myself. I built my whole life around protecting myself. Maybe some of us here are so preoccupied with management, the management and avoidance of suffering and pain. And I'm asking you today, is there certain ways that you've been called to bear pain? And God is calling you to bear pain, but you've been walking away from it. Let me ask you again. I'm asking you today, are there certain ways that you have been walking away from a pain that God has called you to bear? And then, of course, there's the other extreme. I'm not going to go too much into it, but there's there's other people that instead of just walking away, they shake their fist at God. And we all know people who've done this. I've done this myself. But they, they will say certain things like, God... I can't believe you would not give this to me and you would give it to other people. I do all these things for you. These other people don't. You give them a blank and you don't give it to me. What good is it to follow you? I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I have this one friend turned 40. He was like, at 40, I always imagine myself with wife and kids. I have neither. Here I am sacrificing for God. It's not worth it. I'm done with you, God. And he was done with God. Some of us shake our fist at God. Others of us walk away. Jesus did not do either of those things. Jesus was a man of God. What did he do? He bore the pain. He took it. He said, let's go. Let's go walk into it. Let's go into it. He accepted it and he took it. He bore the pain. Is there a pain that God is calling you to bear? You can do it. Jesus had that courage and he will give you the courage. To bear that pain that God's called you to bear. To face that pain and that suffering that God is calling you to face. Now, I I, I want to to, to point out what Jesus does do. I said he doesn't run away. He doesn't fight God. But what he does is he accepts. And what he does when he accepts is he submits to God's will. And he submits to God's decision. If you look at the prayer in verse 39. Jesus says, right after he makes his request. He says... But you know, it's not what I want. It's what you want. He says, not what I want, but what you want. So even in the prayer, he is submitting to God. He says, ultimately, if you decide other than what I'm asking for, I accept that and I will submit to that. Now look at the second prayer. The second prayer, he says... If this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, let your will be done. See, even in the prayer, he's already moving towards acceptance. I don't even know what the third prayer is, but by the time he faces his disciples, he says, Arise, let us go. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let's go. Let's go there. I'm walking into it. I'm going to bear that suffering that God is calling me to bear. Now, I want to point out, he doesn't say, Okay, with God... Let's agree to disagree, but I'll let you win this time. He doesn't say that. He says, whatever your will is, I will accept that. Not only will I accept it, but I will get behind it. How do I know he got completely behind God's will? If you look at the next chapter, he is now in facing his persecutors, right? And they're looking for ammunition to use against him. And when they're throwing their accusations at Jesus, Jesus is silent. He doesn't say a word. No defense. And then, at this culminating moment, the chief priest just asks him directly, Are you the Son of God? You know what he says? He says, I am. He gives them what they need to hand them over and be executed. Now, this is is the guy who outwitted the, the smartest lawyers in town, okay? He didn't play into their hands. He gave them it. Here it is. Once he knew what God's will was, he got completely behind it. No resentment, no passive-aggressive uh, of, of, of behavior. Has God called you to bear a suffering? And what we learn from Jesus, we can walk away from it. We can get angry at God over it, or we can be like Jesus and accept it and bear pain with Jesus as your role model. Uh, I, I have a brother and a sister-in-law. You guys, uh, I'm sure you've most of you have met them, David and Michelle. And um, they uh, gave birth to their second child, Katie. And soon after that, they realized that uh, Katie was um, autistic and she has special needs. And they, they were really crestfallen. They haven't... I'll be honest with you, they're having a really hard time accepting this. And not only are they having a really hard time accepting this, but I think on a very base level, they're angry at God. Well, uh, last Christmas, uh, they were over, and um, I know they've been going through a very hard year. They've been struggling with Katie's um, autism, and uh, so you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to cheer them up, and so the way that I wanted to cheer them up is I wanted to smoke them a tri-tip, because nothing says cheer up, and I love you, then meat. Can I get an amen somewhere around that? You don't have to say amen. That's just ridiculous, but it's true. That's what I was thinking. I'm going to smoke them some special meat, and you know it worked. It worked. I did a great job, and my goodness, David was just raving about my meat. You know, I was, it feels good, actually. I've never really experienced that before around my cooking. It was like, wow, really? You know, it was very affirming. But it was a funny, it was a funny little scene. So we're on the, we're on the uh, table. Uh, David's like raving about my meat. And then my, my nephew, Nathan, he's not the one with special needs, he's he's the older child. He says, "Um, Uncle Andrew, Uh, Uncle Andrew, uh, yesterday, I had a dream. I dreamed that God spoke to me. It was like in the middle of our little, you know, like uh, birthday dinner. And I was, uh, I was kind of taken uh, by surprise. I, really? What? Because I was asking God why Katie was the way she was. And God said to me, you need to let it go. And then he said to me, trust me and believe in what I created. Now, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know something? I have never had a dream where God was speaking in that dream to me. Never. That's never happened to me. You know, as holy as I am. You know, that's never happened to me before. He's like, what is he, like seven years old? And here's the thing. I'm listening to these words, and I'm like, I, just, I suddenly realized those words were not for Nathan. Do you know who they were for? They were for my brother. They were for my, my sister-in-law. Now, now, listen to this. This is the mercy of God. God's like, I'm trying to get your attention. I can't do it through the scriptures. I can't do it through a dream that I give you. I'm going to do it through the only voice that you will hear. I'm going to do it through your son, In a dream. And so the moment Raina and I hear this, I'm like, that is from God, you know? And God was basically saying to David and Michelle, not in any sort of like really mean way, let it go. But it's more like, let it go. Accept it. Trust me. Believe in what I've created. I am going to work this out for good. Trust me. Accept this by my hand. And I'm just wondering if there are people here today that need to hear the same word. You're bearing some sort of pain and God's saying, trust me. Let it go. Believe in me. Trust me and obey. Now, I can say this. When I said this to Dave, and I'm like, Dave, that's for you. You know what Dave was doing? He was raving about the steak, and he didn't want to talk about it. You know, my brother's like, oh, let's talk about the steak. You know, I'm like... Dave, this is a message for you. And he's the older brother. He's like, no, we're talking about the steak. Let's talk about the steak, right? But I'll say this. It's been five months since that time. And I'm talking to Michelle and she says, you know something? Every now and then I'm still struggling with Katie. I'm struggling to accept it. And I remember that dream when God said to me, let it go. Trust me. Trust in what I've created. She still thinks about that. She's still encouraged by those words. Is there a pain that God has called you to bear? Can you hear his words to you? Trust me. Let it go. Is there an anger that you're harboring against God, some resentment? Can you imagine God saying, trust me, let that go. Trust me, pull your, put your faith in me. Walk with me. Have courage from my son and bear this pain. Through the obedience of Jesus who did not walk away, through the obedience of Jesus who did not shake his fist towards God. Jesus gave life and hope to millions and millions of people through his obedience. People rescued from hell and given a changed life. Now, if God does this through his son's obedience, blessing many other people, don't you think he will do the same with you? In your outline, I've listed four things that suffering does to us. I did not mean to unpack this. I just mean to list it so it could be thought-provoking to you. Number one, what does suffering does to us? Number one, it builds resilience. Number two, it brings us closer in relationship to God and with other people. Number three, it changes our priorities. Number four, it develops compassion. I'll let you think and unpack those more on your own. But if you're willing to bear pain that God has called you to bear... You will become this person who gives life and hope and joy to others. A person who encourages others in their suffering. Teaches others how to suffer. A person with deep character who points others to Christ and offer life and hope. God will use you. If you are willing to do as he's calling you to do. To trust him and to obey. This week, our eyes are on the cross, and we are remembering the one who suffered and died. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response and prayer, but to prepare our hearts, uh, Peter and the team is going to lead us through uh, one course of worship. But I want you guys to be in this place ready to respond. So let me start our time of worship and response in prayer, and then I'll continue in prayer after we have a chance to sing. Lord, I pray that you would prepare your people right now to respond to you, that they would become less aware of the people around them and so much more aware of you. So it it would, it would be like God is so present in this room and some of us need to do business with you. And so I pray that you would prepare our hearts so we can do business with you. We can let go of what you're calling us to let go of we can accept what you're calling us to accept. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me me pray that again. Let's do it with expectation. Come, Holy Spirit, and minister to your people at this time. I pray that you would give us a certain kind of heart transaction with you right now and that you would be melting and speaking to many hearts, even at this time.
3: One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin Dwelt among men, my example is He Word became flesh and the light shined among
2: I'd like to give us some time to now respond to God, who's here in this room. God's, whose Holy Spirit is here in this room. And what I want each of you guys to do is to identify one place of pain or problem that's in your life. Maybe it's big, maybe it's tremendous, or maybe it's small. It doesn't matter. Is there a place of pain? Or is there as a place of problem in your life? What I want you to do is identify what that thing is. And when you've identified it, I want you to just go ahead and stand. And when you stand, that means I, this, I, I know what problem, I know what pain I know it pains me right now, and this is the very thing that I want to pray about. This is the very thing that I want you, Pastor, to pray for me about. And once you know what that thing is, would you just stand up? I'm expecting a lot of people to stand because this invitation is so broad. It's not just big. It can be small. But who, who of us doesn't have any, uh, any pain in our lives, you know? So we just go ahead and stand. Once you've identified what that thing is, just go ahead and stand. a few more seconds to identify that pain or that problem that you want to bring before God. All right. This is, this is where I just want to kind of walk through what Jesus did. And the very first thing that Jesus did is he prayed very simply for that problem. And so what I'm going to do is I want you just to pray very simply that God will actually just give you the solution to that problem or God will just take away that pain. It's not a bad prayer. If Jesus prayed it, then we can pray it too. And what I want you to do as you pray this prayer is just remember God can do anything. Now, can you imagine God instantaneously solving that problem just as soon as you pray this prayer for help? He can do anything. Why not go there first, like Jesus did, and we'll see what happens. But but don't be too surprised if God just goes ahead, breaks in, and gives his healing or gives you the, the request that you're asking for. Because God does that, you know. And so what I want you to do, you can, you can pray in a, in a whisper voice. You can pray in your heart. Just pray for that thing. And then what I want to do after a few moments is just pray for you because I love you guys. I want to pray for you. But right now, just go ahead and pour your heart out to God and just say, God, this is the thing. I'm asking for help. I'll give you a minute to do that. where I would love to just pray for you just as one of your pastors. I just want to pray for you. Lord, right now I just come to you. I don't think it's a magical prayer that makes prayer work. I think part of it is just understand who you are and who we are. We're your children. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are no longer slaves. We're children. And you know how to give good gifts to your children. And so we are just standing in the place of, of, of your beloved son identifying with him and asking our father for something good so lord some of us have uh, prayed that this pain that we've identified would be removed and I just pray as it is your will by the name of Jesus Christ that, that pain would be removed I ask on behalf of your people you are good 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 to your core you know how to give good gifts so this source of pain father if it's your will would you just take it away would you just take it away Maybe it's healing. And Lord, you we read the Bible. It's full of these amazing healings. That power is available today. Would you pour out your healing before us? Would you even surprise us with your healing? And Lord, maybe it's the desire of our hearts. You know what it is, and you love to give us good gifts. So we just pray that you would grant to us this desire of our heart that we're asking for. Nothing's beyond you. You can do anything. And so we just you know, officially. But now Lord, for some of us, I just understand from this passage that the answer might be no. And it's not a hard no. It's a no that you are giving us because you love us and because you see something greater that we don't see. And so I'm praying that you would give your people discernment to know if you have said yes, wait for it, keep on praying, or my answer is no. And if your answer is no, I pray that we would be like Jesus who said, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And I'm going to trust you, God, to bring something great out of this place that you said no. Because when you said no to Jesus, you brought you know, eternal life to millions and millions of people. So I'm just expecting that with your no to me, because you love us and me, that there's some really good stuff that you're going to say yes to through the no. And would you help us to accept it and be brave like Jesus was brave and to bear that pain, not to walk away and not to fight you, but to submit to that pain, but to bear that pain like Jesus did. And to know that on the third day, he was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. And that pain is somehow going to become a blessing. And so I can look at that blessing as a source of joy, trusting that you do all things well in your time. And So Lord, for this last set of worship, as we are worshiping you and thinking about what happens as a result of the cross, your resurrection, would you give people here who don't have hope, hope? And would you give people here who don't have joy, the joy that comes when they've completely submitted to you? So we worship you, Lord, and we worship you now.